Hey everyone, welcome back to the Atlanta Startup Podcast. My name is William Leonard, your host for today, and I'm really excited to sit down with one of Valor's newest portfolio founders, Jake Soffer, who is the founder and CEO of Firm Pilot. Jake, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, William. Yeah, Jake, we've we've got a lot of ground to cover today, but let's start with your background. You have such a unique uh, culmination of experiences from what she studied in undergrad to, you know, what you recently did before Firm Pilot. But I'll let you tell that more to the audience. Yeah, I uh, was really lucky, fortunate to attend two great universities where I just focused on computer engineering, uh, RPI and, and NYU and um, via different hackathons and sponsored projects just fell into NLP. Uh, again, just just lucky there. Uh, and this was before the big LLM uh, boom that that's going on right now, like very, very basic natural language processing stuff uh, and just really enjoyed it. Uh, and then from there, uh, as as you know, William, I, I had another startup, Rolio, uh, which is still up and running and doing great, uh, another NLP company. So last 10 years, that's been my focus. Uh, and then when I was getting ready for my next adventure and, and, and leaving uh, the Rolio team, um, knew I still wanted to stay in the space. I w- it was just so familiar with me, uh, but didn't want to force it. And of course, with all the LLM uh, you know, stuff going on, NLP having its its moment, another moment, uh, knew I wanted to stay in it, uh, but again, didn't want to force it. Uh, and luckily, uh, my brother, who is the attorney in the family, uh, asked me to help him with his online marketing. And that's when I was introduced to the set of activities that goes on into building a growing and scalable firm and just had this big aha light bulb moment where I realized we can put the two together and and really automate the activities that it takes to scale a firm and get more leads and build an online presence as a local service-based business, uh, but also do it at a much higher level of performance uh, using data and not using my world. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. And tell us, just give us like the overview of of what Firm Pilot is doing and the, the core set of customers that you're looking to target. Yeah, absolutely. In one sentence, we are a high performing AI agency in a box. Uh, what that actually means is rather than just blog blindly or create really, really pretty social media posts or uh, do some ad campaigns and hope they work, uh, we we rely on data. Uh, so the first thing we do is understand and build a semantic bubble of, you know, what are the keywords? What are the Google searches? What do trends look like to actually get you clients and not just clients, but clients that you want uh, those types of so we have to understand what are they searching how do they pick the firms that they pick or the businesses that they that they pick to work with Uh, and then from there we can start to analyze what it takes to be seen to rank high Uh, not just write based on you know blog content or website content based on best practices um, but look at a myriad i mean hundreds of attributes of the high performing content and this is where our or factory or AI agency comes into play and being able to do everything I just described in minutes or really seconds and use all that data to craft, not just content that looks nice, but is predicted to rank high and get you the clicks, the calls, the views, the clients that you want. Yep. It's so fascinating because 
as I've been on the hunt for for deals this year, I just saw a plethora of legal and in, in AI companies that were doing really one thing, and that was document generation and kind of document summar- summarization for for lawyers, right? And while that's an interesting use case, it's certainly not the only use case for legal software to leverage AI. And our our team and we had really built a thesis around AI that can enhance legal activities, but high dollar, high margin legal activities. And I think you and I connected over the summer and I was just like, this is this is incredible what you're able to do for the clients that you have now. Curious to to hear how you know law firms are using marketing agencies today in sort of an antiquated fashion to to win business. And and why are you convicted that the future of law firm marketing is is going to be AI driven and, and AI enabled? Totally. First off, yeah, there, we've actually been paying a lot of attention to a lot of the uh, the other AI tools in the legal space, from uh, demand letters to case management. There's some really really incredible stuff going on. Um, but what we realized was uh, there's no law firm without clients. Um, and it is very, very, very competitive. If we go back 10, 15 years, you could blog, do social media, do some basic ads, and, and you would likely find some success. Uh, but there's 460,000 plus firms in the US, 83% of which are doing this set of marketing activities that's available to them. I mean, that is a lot that you're competing with. Even if you start to cut it up by practice area and geolocation, it is competitive. And, you know, it's not good enough to just do marketing best practices anymore. There are all these little edges and vertical and, and, and edges and, and, you know, advantages, advantages that we look for. So what we want to do before we even just begin writing content for you is understanding what it takes to get you to the first page for keywords that are going to, you know, get you clients. So analyzing who's there, what's their page load speed, uh, what's the format of the images, keywords and links, and I can go on and on and on. But by being able to use all this data, we can have such a higher level of conviction. You're going to be where you need to be to get clients or where those potential clients are looking for legal help or to answer a legal question. Yeah, it's it's that edge. That's why we see AI as the answer and uh, mm-hmm. next step. I love it. I love that. Yeah, I think we're going to see this happen across many industries, and, and we'll, we'll talk about that a, l- a little bit later. But you know, given the early success of Firm Pilot, you know, when I first met you, I, I was looking back. Our first messages and contacts with each other was on July nineteenth. And when we had that first conversation, I think two days later, the the speed and velocity at which you were able to sell and close customers was something we had almost like never seen before. And you, you really came out the gate selling product and, and selling fast and efficiently. You were scaling revenue incredibly quick. I, I want to dive into that more and understand what was your your secret or non-obvious growth hack to unlocking your first, you know, half a million in, in annual recurring revenue in less than 12 months? Scars. Uh, I've just done it so many times. I've been hung up on, I've gotten emails that that say some nasty words, never contact me again. And it's just repetition and just doing. Uh, you can spend so much time 
time trying to get to the perfect product before you sell or trying to craft the perfect uh, HubSpot or Salesforce workflow or sales message, but just go, like just go. So, you know, I have, you know, the same tools as everybody else, you know, write down what we should be doing. And our, you know, our team says, okay, let's do these projects, but at the same time, let's spend a good amount of our time today, just emailing, just calling. Um, You should be doing that every single day. And especially as one of the founders, um, it should be you. There is the, you know, the old saying founder has to get the first 10 deals uh, even at a million in ARR, two million, three million, you really still don't have scalable processes where you can just hire SDRs or AEs and put their butts in seats and say, okay, do what I did. Um, because you got those first 10, 15, even 30 customers in so many different ways. Um, so one, do it yourself. And two, just do. Uh, literally try everything that you can do quickly. Yeah. I, I speak with a lot of founders who are you know, at the seed stage pre-seed looking to raise around whatever it may be and they get into the use of funds and you know they want to hire a head of sales at you know at 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 the seed stage and obviously you're crushing it with founder-led sales like what are your thoughts on that curious to hear how you're thinking about you know the the balance of founder-led sales and and kind of thinking about account execs and and beating sdrs what what is the what are your thoughts around that Yes. Yeah. I, I've done a lot of that with different startups I've been involved with. Um, sometimes it works great this early stage and many times it doesn't. But why risk that? Um, if you're the founder and you're and you're selling, just keep going until you literally don't have the capacity. Uh, you shouldn't stop selling because you don't want to. It should be, I literally don't have the time because we have so many demos Uh in you know so many demos on my calendar or so many deals in the pipeline i don't have the capacity i have to uh that's the signal it's really funny we're, we're some um back office saas tool that we're looking at purchasing uh i booked a demo with and they have 800 customers and the ceo showed up and did our demo and i was kind of like what the heck are you doing here and he said we have aes we have sdrs slowly we're starting to add them on but if i still have capacity to do this why why wouldn't i um you know when you're the founder no one's going to sell as good as you they just they just don't know the story it's not because they're a good or bad salesperson uh they just don't know the story like you and connect with it uh that's why you started the the company hopefully because you connect with it so um again i just press don't stop selling yeah i think the bandwidth constraint is always a conversation that happens as you begin to find product market fit, or even as you're scaling into well into product market fit as well. And I love your thoughts on the previous point of just hustling and getting getting reps and, and shots on goal. I know Lisa is always, you know, saying to me like, "I'm trying to get my first no of the day by like 7 a.m." So you know, if if I'm not getting that, then I'm not working hard enough. I'm not talking to enough people, and I think that's a that's a strong mentality to have, especially as when you're like founder of a firm or the founder of a startup, whatever it may be, there has to be hustle and grind from the leadership and, and leadership on down. So I, I resonate with that. And, you know, you're, you've clearly been hustling. It's been working early on. Curious to hear your thoughts on like how you, within your first, you know, five, 10 customers or so were able to get conviction with 
being such a young company that maybe, you know, you just don't have a lot of proof points, a lot of case studies. How do you get conviction from, you know, your first, second, third customer to just try out your product? Yeah, it really comes down to solving a pain. It is really, really difficult to sell something that is a vitamin or nice to have, or just make something better. And something that we've realized is we're not just in the marketing business. Uh, We are in the customer business and businesses need customers. So we've completely changed our message. And we've noticed that the introductory calls, the sales calls, discovery calls, whatever you want to call them, um, have gotten so much better when we've taken this new direction of not trying to dissect what's wrong with your marketing, but what are your goals for your business? And uh, you're just not going to sell to everybody. Like there are many calls where we say, hey, totally get it. We're not a fit for you. You don't really need us. And even if they do sign a contract, they're probably going to churn and just take up a lot of time. So it's focusing on the ones that say the magic words that you know are a pain point that your solution solves. And if your pain point, if your solution doesn't solve a pain point, that's a whole nother problem. Uh, but when you know your solution solves a pain point, it's not just getting a yes, which is very hard, but the yes that resonates with that pain point. And that's when you know we click and it's great. We know how to sell it. But we also know who to sell to. Let's spend our time selling to lookalikes uh, of this client that have the same problem. We know we solve it. Right. I think a lot of that comes down to the depth of customer discovery that was done early on before the product was in market or in pilot or whatever it may be. Because, man, I I see a lot of founders who are building products, searching for a problem um, to apply their product to instead of building a product. Uh, specifically around a problem that exists in the market today that, you know, hundreds or or dozens or, you know, thousands of customers have voiced to you in your initial discovery that, hey, if you can build X, Y, and Z product around X, Y, and Z problem or this workflow for us, we'll buy your product immediately. And I I think people get the, the order of operations for customer discovery wrong quite often. And that's why it takes so long to to get your first few customers to then get to product market fit. And I think that's why we see a lot of a lot of pivots because there there's not a lot of uh, customer discovery that's done. But not to say that you're pivoting because there's a lack of customer discovery. I think there's also the dynamic of market timing or whatever it may be. So I, I certainly resonate with that. Yeah. As you were saying that, William, two things really came to mind. Like no code tools might not be the architecture and foundation to build a big scalable enterprise solution, but we iterate with with like features, ideas on no code platforms like Bubble all the time. I wish stuff like that existed a long time ago. Um, like before we wrote a line of code a long time ago, uh, I heard a really, really good piece of advice act as the technology. You don't need to spend $100,000, $500,000 to, to build it. Build a front end in in an hour and a half, and then you just get a message or a Google form and you perform the actions and, and send it back. So doing customer discovery, uh, understanding there was a pain point of law firms pay a lot for marketing and many don't see any you know fruit from it 
great. Walk us through that process and just keep pulling. Even when you hear something that's painful, keep pulling, understand more and more and more. And then when you feel you have enough to act on, don't go off, raise a big round um, and you know spend all this money because you still might not be totally spot on. So yeah. build something super lightweight. We built the first version of Firm Pilot, I think in in 14 days. Um, yeah. And obviously we've, we're way past that now. Um, but it was just super lean, super fast, um, testing before we invest in something. Cause the last thing you want to do is invest that time, invest that money. And, and it wasn't right. Yeah, no, that's awesome. But the first version of the product of 14 days. And I think just when you have a cadence of building and a cadence of shipping products weekly, almost daily, whatever it is, I think that just sets the tone for how the company is going to grow and progress. And I think that's why you and the firm pilot team have just seen such great progression um, throughout 2023. So I'm excited about that. I want to shift the conversation a bit. I think this AI boom now is exploratory for a lot of people. You know, they were once building, you know, in Web three or or in blockchain, when those two words were were hot. But one of the things that I really liked about our first conversation was that you've been entrenched in the world of AI and, and NLP for years, including you know your time at Rolio. So I want to get into your mind a bit, Jake, around what's different about AI and, and natural language processing now versus when you were building Rolio some time ago. Yeah. Um the technology just moves so fast. Um and you need to to set up a way where you don't get left behind. Um what used to like the type of innovation that used to take years, sometimes even months, um you know was I don't want to say easy to keep up with, um, but easier than what it is today. I mean, a new LLM method or tool comes out almost or update that that makes one better than the other and back and forth and back and forth almost every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of the best things that, that we've done so far is built a very, very modular architecture. Um, and I'm not just talking about LLMs, but everything we do, even the proprietary pieces that that we've built and are building that we can scrap them edit them move them without changing out the whole system um i know that kind of goes against the whole iterative super quick scrappy way sometimes when you're thinking hey let's build a good foundation before we build you know the you know the really fun exciting stuff um but it pays off to do it and once you have some indication of product market fit and you're solving a pain, um, then it makes more sense. Like we're now at a place where we are selling, we're not going to slow down, but we're also being bought, which is which is awesome. People coming inbound, we're getting referrals from customers. So we know we have a good indication that we're onto something. Uh, we're, we're not 100% there yet, but we have some good indicators. So now we're ready to invest in that architecture, that foundation, where if there are some new AI thing that comes out and I can't even think of the word for it in in a few weeks or months that no one saw coming, we'll be in a place where we can quickly adapt. Um, I would hate to say, well, we have to scrap everything. 
and start over. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think there's just paramount differences in, in how technology was deployed just what 2017 was six years ago versus versus now. And I think you and in the team are a true testament to how you can build more efficiently, more modular and achieve success with a small, nimble team. I think the team is pretty, pretty lean right now and you all are at yeah. high level. Yeah, uh, we are really about talent, um, building people, you know, building a team that I trust this person to go do something that 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 I really, really want to do myself. Uh, but building a team like that uh, is how you is how you do things quickly, ironically, not just hiring a huge team and you're spending all this time training and half of them don't work out and you don't build that, that bond um, where you can just move like a well-oiled machine. Uh, Yeah. I I know the team is pretty lean in nature today, but you know, how do you think about hiring? Um, I know eventually you're going to have to to scale the team. We just raised a seed round that we led, but you know, what what are your thoughts around hiring? How do you do you have system, systematic processes around that? How do you suss out who's really an AI guru or or who's not and who knows their stuff and who doesn't? And in yeah. bits as well. Yeah. Um so lean on your network. Um l- luckily, like I have a bit of that background, but but still, like I, I'm not an expert like the people we want to hire. Uh, I want to, we want to hire people that are smarter than us. That's how you keep upping the talent on the team. The average of EQ IQ should keep going up at all times. Hire people that you think, oh shoot, this person could take my job. Um, so lean on your network to help bet. Um, we're now looking for a chief of staff, um, again, just going, looking for high performers, grinders, you know, we're hiring mechanics, uh, that just can swing a hammer at a high level of execution and just grind and can just figure stuff out, uh, and get stuff done, uh, rather than the typical, Hey, let's hire a bunch of SDRs, a marketing person, AE, and if it didn't work out, well, why not? Um, hiring high performers and vetting them with your network. So uh, for this chief of staff, we're having our investors vet them. Uh, a lot of the roles that we have are investors. Um, Jean-Luc from Valor has been involved in our CTO search. Uh, Colin from SaaS Ventures is helping us with our chief of staff. Like These people didn't just give you money. Uh, they're really smart people. Um, so rely on them to help vet. Yeah. That's yeah. so true. And, and shout out to Colin and the, the team at SAS. We've uh, now co-invested on two deals together. So it's really good to, to work with those guys and that team. But um, slowing isn't isn't selling down for you all. You all are still closing customers even here late in December. Um, you know, what is the vision for Firm Pilot? I mean, you all are building right now in a 30 billion dollar legal marketing vertical but what is what is the grand vision for firm pilot as the company and technology continues to evolve yeah there are a couple of themes uh that are super important to us and we reiterate them all the time in our strategy and, and leadership meetings one simple everything should be so simple we are trying to 
democratized marketing where it doesn't have to cost an arm and a leg and you don't have to be an absolute expert uh we will you know we always say as simple as a click um that's the experience we want to build uh on top of that we want to expand horizontally where you don't have to go to all these different vendors and tools and systems uh that's where we see this going is the single os or a ubiquitous solution for local service-based businesses everything client growth um you know the status quo has always been i'm going to focus on ads for a little now i'm going to focus on seo and website and maybe i'll do some billboards next quarter and it's because they're also time consuming and money consuming rather it should be this cohesive multi-layered uh, you know, marketing strategy. That's when they work the best, when it's all the wheels on the train running at, at the same time. Uh, and the best part about, you know, our data-centric approach is we can use SEO data for billboards, for TV or TV data for uh, ads. It should all be one and the same. And I kind of just hinted at at some of the places that that we really want to go with this. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. I think that's one of the things that got us excited as we were, you know, thinking about the company and diligence and digging into the the current TAM and the perspective TAM as you do expand horizontally. Um, so I'm excited about that, Jake. How how can someone who's listening to the podcast today, you know, get in touch with you or someone on the firm pilot team? What's the best way to do that? Ping us anywhere, LinkedIn, email, like we are we are inbox addicts. Uh, so we check every message. It doesn't matter uh, where you're based or what time it's at. Uh, we're, we're crazy in that sense. Uh, one of my my OCD things is inbox zero, uh, almost to a fault. So I look at it almost every single email. Um, message us, anyone on our team on LinkedIn. We, we look. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Jake, that's a great place to wrap. Appreciate your time, man. And looking forward to supporting you and the Firm Pilot team on this journey. Absolutely. Thank you, William. Thanks for being a part of the community of Courage by listening to the visionary founders and investors on the Atlanta Startup Podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a single episode of the over 200 investors and founders sharing their insider tips and secrets to growth. Our regular listeners tell us we're the briefing room for the innovation economy in the fastest growing region of the country, the South, and when you subscribe, you become part of the inside circle. The Atlanta Startup Podcast is proudly hosted by Valor VC. Valor is a venture capital firm that leads seed rounds in AI and B2B SaaS startups. If you like the podcast, check out more of Valor's programs for courageous founders and investors, like Startup Runway. Over $100 million in early-stage venture capital is catalyzed through Startup Runway's grant-making program for pre-seed startups. Go to StartupRunway.org to learn more and apply directly for non-dilutive capital. Valor celebrates VC Day, the largest early-stage private capital conference in the region, at the end of the year. Top founders, leading VCs, endowments and family offices attend. Learn more at VC.day. At Valor, courage is the currency of innovation and the heartbeat of our culture. Thanks for listening and join us again next week.